Mandy. Oh, Mandy. that everything in America is completely fucked up. You know that feeling that the whole country is like one inch away from saying, that's it, forget it. Let's see. Thanks, Mr. Mandy. Now, look, here's a house full of bees. You think the honey badger cares? It doesn't give a shit. Listen, let's get one thing straight. Price is right. Guns don't kill people. I do. Humble pie. Yes. Yes, that's what it was. I was trying to think. Nice. I was going to say canned heat, and I was like, I didn't know that's not who it is. Yeah. I remember you showed me that song right. a long time ago, and I was like, this just fucking rocks. Yes, so good. And the video is so badass. It's it's simple. It's just them in a studio recording the song, Yeah. but these three smoking hot black chicks, backup singers, fully like vibing with, yeah. uh, do you know the name of the singer? No. Guy can fucking sing. If I could yeah. sing like that, I probably never would have picked up a hammer in my life. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, just a wonderful, a great video. Yeah, a lot of uh, songs that you and I love together. Our love for them was driven by the video. I'm thinking of that Eddie Money song, uh, "Shaking." Shaking. Yes, I think we did that for one of the intros. I yes, we did. Yeah. Because he, uh, he does the, uh, he mimics the uh, guitar solo yeah. with his hand. No, his mouth. Right? <laughs> and his hand. Oh, does he? Yes. Like air guitar, you mean? Yeah. He like mimics the note with his hand. This is great podcast, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you're watching the video, you're, this is all making so it's, much more sense. Just as bad, but. <laughs> it's not helpful. Yeah, that's a great song. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they originally wrote it, though. No? I don't think so. Hmm. I think that might be an old blues classic. Sounds like it. Yeah. Sounds like they ripped off a blues song. Yes. Yeah. As 70s musicians are wont to do. Yeah. <clears throat> Led Zeppelin. <laughs> exactly. Another great vocalist. Yep. Um, so I am currently manufacturing and selling cold tubs. Nice. And uh, I had this thought about the cold tub. That tell me what you think about this. Okay. So why people maybe, ask me maybe give time. a quick breakdown of what the cold tub is because okay yeah, Good. thank you yeah as my uh, manager I appreciate that. Um, the uh, cold tub is basically a a cold therapy bathtub that you get into at forty five to fifty five degrees, mm-hmm. and uh, you soak in it for forty five. It, it could be a lot lower though, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, just typically. Okay. Typically, 45. Mine's usually at 45. I think that's why I said that. Unless it was a cold night. Yeah. Because I have the poor man's version that's very heavily influenced by the How cold is it? temperature. Depends on what the temperature is. Exactly. Yeah. What time of the month are we, or time of the year are we talking about? In the summertime, I go through a lot of ice. However, the ones that I'm manufacturing, uh, you could set the temperature to whatever you want. Uh-huh. So you could, you could put it right at 32 degrees. So. This would be your deluxe model. Yes, nice. exactly. Not the poor man's version. Yes. Um, and people ask me, like, why do you do the cold tub? And I honestly don't have a good answer for that. And I, I should, but I can't. It's hard for me to articulate what I love about it. And I truly fucking love it. In fact, when we went and visited Melissa's uh, friend over in Tennessee, I had just started doing the cold plunge. I remember you came back, you were saying that you actually missed, missed the, cold the cold tub. tub. Yeah. More than my hot tub, more than my bed, 
more than any of the creature comforts I had, I missed the the pain and misery of my cold tub. I was just going to say that you love it, but that's such a, it's an odd descriptor because it's miserable. It's painful. Yes. So this is kind of what I've come up with, that this is the best kind of elevator summary of, elevator pitch summary I can give you for it. It makes the rest of your day seem really pleasant. Well, here's, as in, we love jujitsu. Exactly. Right? And there's nothing enjoyable. Is it fun? No. No. Does it feel good? No. <laughs> it's the worst pain you've ever been in. What's the trick to jujitsu? You have to give up your attachment to breathing. Just waiting for the end of class, mostly. <laughs> if you're really into air and oxygen, that, you have to give that up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, here, here's, before I give the elevator pitch... Go ahead. Something else funny? Come oh. up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say that the I experienced the magic of the cold tub. What, what was this last year? I went out in mm-hmm. San Diego and trained with some bunch of friends down there. And then um, Navy SEALs, right? Navy SEALs, yeah. And these guys were, needless to say, like pretty hardcore dudes. Yeah. And they did the sauna, ice Great bath. Great hair. Sauna, ice bath. And the um, you could feel the blood flowing in and out of your core, mm-hmm. which was insane to me like you can like actually feel it and so but it, it makes you think though you're like this must be really good for me you know inflammation and dealing with the injuries and all this stuff but we take this stuff as a given because then i take like supplements fish oil and stuff like that mm-hmm. everyone's like why do you take that well i think it's good for your joints it's good for your bones you it's, feel it's, you feel better no couldn't tell you really <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> i have no exactly baseline because this is just what i do yeah so I don't know. It, Same thing for me. Like d- people ask, does it make a big difference? Like, do you do you feel a lot different? And like, no, I don't really. I I, I this can't, isn't the best sales. Pitch, I can't right? top in. I can't tap into the alternate reality where I didn't do this. So right. I just do what exactly. I do. And there's a certain amount of a leap of blind faith that I just take. Well, here's the thing that I do know is uh, made an improvement for me. It has made me uh, mentally stronger. Mm-hmm. So oh yeah, without a doubt. Think you've noticed yes. how mentally strong I am. No, I'm saying I I do experience <laughs> those effects. So, a person that's gone through their whole life with no struggle. Oh, and this is going to come up later. Actually, I have more to say about this. But if you go through your whole life with no struggle, right? Everything's given to you. You've been shielded from any sort of hardship, protected. You've never had money issues. We call that you are experiencing a zero gravity environment. Yes, exactly, and you atrophy. Right. Yeah. So, like, astronauts have to work out because they live in a zero gravity environment, and then their their muscles start to atrophy. The same thing can happen to your mm-hmm. mind. That's why they are always having sex up there, from what I understand. <laughs> if the workout, if they were even in space, I mean, you want to go down that road? Oh, you believe in space? <laughs> okay. So the cold tub is essentially can struggle. You wake up every morning. And you give yourself three minutes or four, whatever you do, four minutes of struggle. Uh, and it, it's not enjoyable. No. You, some part of you dreads going out there, getting in. It only lasts for four minutes, but it's so uncomfortable. And the, the goal is to you know, keep it uncomfortable. So you keep lowering the temperature, increasing the amount of time. And yeah. at, some, at some point, you end up dying with hypothermia. <laughs> but <laughs> presumably, you come up with another plan before that happens. Um, and you give yourself a mental challenge, and it's something that you just have to stick to and just fight through and do every single day and be committed to, and, and it takes very little effort. Uh-huh. Once you have the cold tub set up and you have a routine in place, all you have to do is just walk out. This is the world's know. longest ad. I know. <laughs> I agree. So, no, I agree with that. If you want to buy one, go to kellycowandesigns.com and give me a, shoot me a text. No, I agree with that. I think it's the same thing. It's the same thing that we do. It's it's introducing intentional adversity into your life. Yes. You know, we live, we, we talk about this a lot, but we live in a very comfortable slash ends up being complacent kind of lifestyle. And people that never introduce any kind of adversity into their lives, like you are going to, we say that, you know, we all have the more or less, depending on your level of narcissism, the same capacity for like conflict or a problem or stress or whatever and if you don't introduce adversity into your life like given the times that we're living in where everything mm-hmm. is kind of provided for us you know we don't really have a whole lot of things to worry about well you know, given you know yeah. in, in relation to you know the, the trajectory of humanity 
is if you don't introduce that willingly, you are going to make conflict or a problem or a stress out of something that's relatively not any of those things. Yeah, if you've never just like forced yourself to climb up that hill, right, and do that, and it could be anything. It could be like running. Yeah. Could be taking on a big project. It could be anything. Some we, discipline, martial arts discipline. Yeah. yeah. So we talk about you know, you know we often say like how many people leave our gym after rolling or sparring for two hours and get in a road rage accident or incident. None. Because yeah. they, they can't move their arms. Well, yeah, there's that. They're physically incapable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's like, I, I, why would I get involved in this? This right. is like, just has nothing to do with me. Yeah. This, this guy clearly has, you know, something going on in his life, and me and him don't exist, and I'm moving on. Yeah. This guy's clearly a fucking moron! Get out of the way! <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. <clears throat> I just saw, <clears throat> just today, a uh, pretty amazing road rage incident. Did you? Yeah. Do I don't tell. I, uh, there's not much to tell, but yeah, it's one guy was clearly flipping his shit, and I, for whatever reason, I was not blessed or cursed with a road rage gene. You know, the times I've gotten into it with someone in traffic, I'm like, okay, I'm like whatever. Someone's honking I and flipping. I seem to recall a story of you grabbing the club, the old for the for the kids listening, <laughs> the thing they used to lock on your steering wheel okay. to keep people from Number, stealing okay. it. Okay, glad you brought that up. Number one, that was twenty years that was ago. My wife's fault. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, this guy. <coughs> All right, I'll. I don't. I'm not gonna tell the story. This guy had it coming. So, and I was way I always do way more ahead <laughs> back then. But I was yeah, as I was uh, watching this road rage incident, and someone was like looking at him. Kind of, I definitely gravitated towards this guy's mentality. He's like, looking at this guy like, just calm down, dude. Like, what's your problem? So the guy was frantically punching his horn and flipping this guy off. And I was looking at this guy, too. I was just, what what's going on with your life here, man? Like, everyone's just driving home from work. Just take it easy. Like, I think narcissism has such a large part of that phenomenon. Yeah, I agree. There's um, <clears throat> your... Your self-centeredness, thinking that you're so important that it's, what's happening is happening directly to you, yeah. that the person in the other car yes. hates you, they yeah. know you personally, and they're out to get you. Yeah. Dude, that you nailed it, because I was going to say, it's when the people that react like that, it's they have, it's like in their mind that this was being done intentionally to them. This person has it out for them. You know what I mean? They're so self-centered and self-absorbed and so narcissistic, they're like... This this guy's fucking with me at this point, and everyone else around him's like, "Buddy, take it easy." Like the guy didn't see a, you know, he forgot his turn signal or whatever. Yeah, well, um, that's interesting. I think that yeah, the narcissism angle is. Um, have you heard Russell Brand talking recently about yes. addiction? And how? Uh, yeah, I have actually. Addiction is actually just like a very self-centered kind of uh, problem. How so? You are focused on your yourself mm-hmm. and um, getting high or your problems and dealing with it through drugs and alcohol. And that um, people and I, I've heard this before because I've known plenty of been related to plenty of uh, addicts that. Uh, that at the end of the day, when you boil things down, like the problem with addiction is that you, all you care about is yourself. Yeah. Getting yourself high. You don't care about the I've known, consequences. You don't care how it affects other people. I've known all a lot of, I've known a lot of addicts in my life. Uh, mostly real nasty stuff, like heroin and, and um, opiates, which is probably even worse or they're pretty interrelated, but they all, they all had the, they all had, something similar to that to say about their experience. They're like, it just makes you not care about you. He's like, I ripped off my parents. I ripped off my wife. You know, I lost my kids. It's just nothing else mattered. He's like, it, it's, and these are people that kind of, that obviously came out of it and were able to self-reflect. But they, yeah, they said that that's the most evil thing about, you know, the addiction gene is it just, it makes you just not care about any kind of destruction or devastation that you're causing around your life. It's amazing to hear those stories. It's terrifying, actually. It is. Glad I'm not an addict. Uh, cheers, brother. Here you go. Well, I think that the... the Damn it. Hold on a second. I'm going <laughs> to get me...
Alrighty, on that <clears throat> sober note, Good let's start the show. Do you know who um, Nikki Haley is? I do. South Carolina, uh, potential presidential runner upper. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> runner for runner for yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I. Uh, it's funny. I. I Turn never knew a liberty tree for all your political needs. <laughs> Where you hear it second. I never knew what she looked like until I found this clip. Uh-huh. She was on Brett Bear the other day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I find that I often don't know what these people look like. In fact... Uh, what do you mean by these people? Well, this... Anyone, any politician, okay. anyone that's in the news, unless so, they've been there for the, a long time. Someone in the news. Like Stacey Abrams. I used to think Stacey Abrams was a man. <laughs> and then I didn't know she was black. And then I finally, I was like, wow, I was way off. <laughs> I thought she was a white guy. Yes, you were. But it's because I only hear about them. I don't, I don't watch TV. I only really started watching TV for the podcast. Right. You know? And so, and now video, like, because we are doing, we actually have video, which you can find on YouTube. I was thinking about that in the last podcast that we did, because you come out with Tucker Clips and Glenn yeah. Beck, and you have all the stuff from cable TV, and I'm like... I was thinking afterwards, like, eventually I'm going to have to start watching TV, and I don't know how, um, I don't even know the logistics of that Yeah, at this age. I saw a TV in your living room, so you have that part. I do. I got UFC Fight Pass. Do you? Yeah, and uh, the National Geographic Channel. And I can watch Mediator on Netflix. Other than that, like, I have to call my wife in the room. Yeah. But he's not lying. I've heard you do that. All right, anyways, this is Nikki Haley, who is running for president. Um, talking about the war in Ukraine. This is the new axis of evil, with Iran being the, their junior partner. What we have to do is stay focused. We have to have the backs of Ukraine. That doesn't mean we have money or troops, but we have to finish this, because China does not want that. And what we have to make sure of is when Ukraine wins this war against Russia, that will send a message with China that wants to take Taiwan. It'll send a message to North Korea. It'll send a message to Iran. We have to finish this. This is not a territorial dispute. This is a fight for freedom, and it's one that we have to win. Dude, uh, can you guys at least just slightly tweak the sales pitch for these wars? Axis is evil. I know, right? Fighting for freedom. With Iran. (laughs) Thrown in there. Did you just copy and paste a George Bush speech from from 2000? Like, oh, my God. You're not even... Uh, well, that's exactly right. All they're doing are repeating these talking points. No one can ever explain to us wh- how this is in our interest. No. How risking nuclear holocaust all over the globe is somehow in our interest. This is so important. What happens in this dispute between Ukraine and Russia? Ignore any historical build up to this. Ignore anything Putin has said about it. Ignore anything that might seem contrary to what we think we know about Zelensky, that he's suppressing the media, uh, political parties that are contrary to him. uh, Second most corrupt country in the world before this. Yeah. Ignore all that. Just go with the axis of evil. They're evil, and we're fighting for freedom. And we have to, if we don't do this, then, uh, you know, America is going to lose big time. It's like... Explain that. They never do. This is also a perfect example of the way that they pitch these wars is when you put the reasonings behind it, when you make them exist solely in the abstract with these platitudes, which is what they did in Iraq, what they're doing now with the exact same wording, actually, it's like, no, we're going to deliver democracy. Uh, It's an axis of evil. You know, evil dictator. You you keep it in with these, like, uh, well, it's these abstract pejoratives that mm -hmm. people go, like, yeah, I'm on board. Like, who would be against that? And it, but instead of delivering democracy to Ukraine, we're defending democracy, despite how undemocratic that place yes. actually is. And the one time that they had democracy, in 2014, maybe not the one time, but <laughs> one of the times that they had democracy in 2014, we just said, no, 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 we're going to support a coup, overthrow this government, put in 
because that was a pro-Russian government. Right. It's just obvious. I mean, just say what it is. To quote the great Victoria Newland, fuck the EU. And I don't know, we should have this phone call like on cue, but it's, you can find that. When, when, they, when we facilitated the coup to overthrow the democratically elected leader of Ukraine mm-hmm. and to put someone in there more sympathetic to our interests and you know, against Russia, and like, here's what we have to say. I'm not a Russian sympathizer. Putin's a bad guy. Blah 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 blah. Not a Trump yeah, guy. Not a Trump guy. <laughs> like on and on. I just want to stop bombing people on the other side of the world. And I don't want to send our men, women, and children over to fight someone else's war. Exactly. I know that apparently makes me a right-wing extremist now. So I'll take it. So that would be great, I think, to help glue this thing and have the UN help glue it, and you know, f- the EU. Pretend that I just did play that uh, clip from Newland. Will do. Okay. Way to have that clip. Yeah. Ready. See what she said. Um, a little so bit more here. Those two words. Uh, Brett Stevens with the New York Times said. Uh, oh, yeah. And she said uh, territorial dispute because that she was talking shit to Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis, yeah. Who was saying this is not a big priority for the United States. Yeah. Correct. This is a territorial dispute between Russia and U- Ukraine. Yeah. Correct. There's nothing controversial about that. For Governor DeSantis to call Russia's invasion of Ukraine a territorial dispute in which the United States does not have a vital interest tells me that he's totally unfit to be president. He's parroting Kremlin propaganda. He's undermining (laughs) NATO. He's endangering America by emboldening other dictators with territorial disputes, starting with China's Xi Jinping. You're just, you sound like a terrorist. What do you think undermines, what does undermining NATO mean? Ukraine is not in NATO. No. So by not getting involved in this war between Ukraine and Russia, we're undermining NATO? What's more likely to undermine NATO? A war that drags every country in NATO into nuclear holocaust? Or us ignoring a fight that has zero to do with NATO? This is the, what's, what I try to, when I talk to people about this, and they say, like, well, what, you got to admit what Putin is doing is wrong. I'm like, yeah, sure, maybe it is. But why, like, where do you want to stop, though? Like, how many African countries would we invade based, exactly. based on that metric? Exactly. Like, we're gonna, we can't go around being the world's police. That's what he says here. So he's endangering America by emboldening other dictators with territorial disputes. So you're telling me that the way that the map of the world is drawn today is exactly the right way. It has to be those lines in those places from here till the end of time. And anytime there's a dispute of those lines, we have to get involved. Yeah. That's in our best interest. Fuck off. Yeah. So do you side with Brett Stevens of the New York Times? What I'll say is this is not the time to get weak in the knees on Russia. I mean, if you get weak in the knees on Russia, you are totally handling, handing China what they want on a silver platter. This is the time for American strength. Or you're gay for Vladimir Putin. Not start wars. If we lose this war in Russia, with Russia and Ukraine, then you can bet China's going to go into Taiwan, and you can bet that you're going to go into, Russia's going to go into Poland and the Baltics, and we're going to have a world war. Do you think that this will be a seminal issue in the GOP primary that you're running in? I think that you're going to see foreign policy issues and crises are going to be at the front and center for the next 10 to 20 years. We have to be smart. We have to use strategy. We have to be very focused on what American strength looks like. If we do that, we will bring peace across the world. Last thing, and this is a big issue in the Republican primary as well. That's hilarious. Oh, Orwell. I love your documentary. How adorable. War is peace. Yep. Yep. I know. I love that she says, I think geopolitical issues are going to be front and center for the next 10 to 20 years. Oh, are they? (laughs) And then what? (laughs) What's happening after that? (laughs) It's so great that he he asked her, like, is this going to be a big deal for the upcoming primaries? And it's like, you got to think she took a, like, right there, because it is going to be. And right now... The majority of Americans, the vast majority of Republicans, I think like 60%, don't want this war. Yeah. So she's going to be running against that. And that is not going to change as we get further and further along. Wars no. tend to get less popular. Yeah. So, I mean, that had to be kind of a gulp moment for her yep. right there. Yep. She's banking on Donald Trump going to prison and DeSantis not running. <laughs> 
Oh my god, dude! If I could stop hearing about the Donald Trump, <laughs> I let it turn on NPR because uh, that's what I do for this podcast. I listen to NPR. Yes, you're, you're welcome. That's, that's your canned yeah. uh, suffering or whatever. They, they had a like uh, a good forty five minutes like debating on whether Donald Trump would do the perp walk. Yeah, I was just listening, going like, "Is this like?" And they were like giddy about it. I was like, "Is this oh, yeah. what you guys? Is this where you get like emotional satisfaction?" And I have no, like... 100%. If someone told me Donald Trump went to jail, like, I, why would you... I don't care. Why would you tell me that? I definitely don't need to hear a ro- radio program about it. What if someone told you uh, Fauci went to jail? We're having a party. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's invited. Um, so I started thinking about... I saw that clip, and it got me kind of thinking about this, uh, about war in general, and that's why I wanted to do this show on, on the Ukraine war. Uh-huh. Um, and I just wanted to like do that, like gut check. This has been on your mind a lot lately because you keep bringing it up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was thinking, am I anti-war because all my friends are anti-war and the people that I listen to and respect are anti-war or is it my own thought? Do I, do I believe, am I anti-war? You know what I mean? Yeah. You pose this question to me. Yeah. Did I just put on the anti-war Right, clothing, or am I actually yeah. anti-war? It's interesting because it's such a simple, pragmatic question, but it really makes you reverse engineer like what you believe. And so when you asked that to me, I was like, yeah. I had to think about it. I'm like, that's a really decent question. Because then we got into the, the, to the notion of like, well, what, when is war just? Like, what wars did you support? Like, what wars did you think were on the right side of history? There's only one I could think of, and that was... Um, the Falklands, thank you. Thank you, yes, exactly. <laughs> keep bringing this up. <laughs> Um, the Revolutionary War. Although, I leave the door open for someone to come along and tell me, like, actually, if we hadn't fought that war, things could have been different and even better. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm open to that. But um, I, there's a lot of, so why am I anti-war? Well, I'm not anti-violence. Mm-hmm. I kind of like violence. I like watching it in movies. Uh, I mean, my son is obsessed with guns and planes and Top Gun, and and I was too when I was a kid. I right. used to make a gun out of anything. There was a moment in and our house, my, my son, before he had many guns, he had like six branches off trees stacked in the corner in his room. Each one of them was a different gun right. that he could identify yeah. for you. It's just something, there's something about violence I, that I, I grew we're drawn the, to. I grew up the same way, the amount of times I've seen the movie Platoon as a child. Yes, more than any other movie. Or Red Dawn. Red Dawn. It was on the other night. Terminator. I, I uh, texted James, let him know Red Dawn was on, so he could catch up, because he's never seen it before. He still hasn't seen it. No. Don't you feel like there's something missing <laughs> in his like, like DNA if he's not watching, he's never seen Red Dawn? Isn't yeah. there something? James, dude, I know that you're not watching it now just to spite us, but it's like you're missing a, like a key component in your... It's going to put things together. It's going to connect dots for you. It's going to really kind of round out your your new uh, American citizenship. It's like telling someone, uh, what are you doing tonight? Well, we're going to barbecue some steaks. Barbecue steaks? I don't think I've ever had them like that. Yeah, I've had steaks. But you can barbecue them? Yes. It's like, what? 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, I like watching the UFC, right? I like watching guys fight and beat each other up. Now... War is not fighting and beating people. You pay up. by the month to engage in such activity. Exactly. War is death, and I don't think that I would probably watch the UFC if it was a fight to the death. No, I think I would turn it off. Although I think we're died. about five years away from it. <laughs> <laughs> Once that face slapping league took hold, I'm like, well, all right, <laughs> oh, we're, th- off. we're through the looking glass at this point. I think, though, if people want to go to war, and I think throughout history there was a lot of people, a lot of human beings that did, Mm -hmm. that they should be allowed to, as long as you're killing people that also voluntarily went to war. I was going to say that about about violence when you have, so we talked about the idea of, well, when you have two willing participants, you know there's some states here in the country Mm -hmm. that have a uh, a mutual combat law, that if two people decide, like, I want to fight, I want to fight, there's a cop there. Name's fighting words. Yeah. <laughs> the cop will go like, all right, have at it. 
Like neither one of you get charged, and someone's it, probably if someone happens to die, no manslaughter charge or. Uh, I don't, I, I don't know the okay. legal ins and outs. But of that. it's along those lines. Yeah, but there are there be. there are cases, and videos that I've seen where the cop just stands by, like, all right, do you guys both agree to fight? Like, I'm going to stand by. Washington is one of those states, actually. Really? Yes. Yeah, why wouldn't that be? Why wouldn't you be allowed to yeah. do that? So we talked about it, you know we're talking You're not about hurting the, anyone else. We're talking about the idea of consent. So, but now, so, so bear with me for for a sec. Now we're in a tricky spot because when it comes to the U.S. engaging mm-hmm. in a potential world war mm-hmm. with Russia via the Ukraine and mm-hmm. now probably China, like now we have to talk about the notion of mob rule. Yeah. Like, what if most of us want to go to war? It's like. You, it's almost like you need to. Well, as long as it's a volunteer army, I was like, well, and you're fighting another volunteer army. Right, but if we're talking about a draft comes up, and now it's like, and that's no longer 40, volunteer. Forty six percent of the country is against it. It's probably way more than that. There's like now, what my kid has to get shipped off yeah, there now. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and so that's kind of where I started to realize that I was drawing the line is that if it's if it's voluntary. If you are consenting to this war, then go for it. So in that sense, I'm not anti-war. I'm anti-people being, innocent people being killed. Yes. And what our wars have been for the last couple hundred years is that. Innocent people getting killed. Yeah. We it, brought that up in the last podcast. Is like, okay, if you, if you take one fact away from what we're talking about right now with the notion of anti-war, it's like... Our illegal invasion of Iraq, even though the propaganda was just saying exactly what they're saying right now, it's an axis of evil, and we're going to protect democracy and you know all the usual platitudes and talking points. And they go like, okay, now we're on the tail end of that. We left that country in complete devastation. It ruined their infrastructure, ruined generations of children, and by vast, vast majority of numbers, the, the majority of people killed in that war were innocent civilians, which is usually ends up being women and children. Exactly. Tell me you're still for war at that point. Right. Now, if war was just uh, Calio... You know, for, for right-wing extremists, we sure sound like 70s hippies. <laughs> so if Calcio Storio was what war was, then we'd all be for it. Calcio Storio is... is as close to actual warfare as you can get in sports. Right. La violenza sì, cioè è insita. Non è facile scendere in piazza perché non è un giochino per tutti. È un giochino molto duro. If we ever go to Florence, we'll catch one of these games. Enough of that for now. So for the audio listeners, why don't you give a brief rundown of what this sport entails? Right. Sorry. Um, basically, the Calcio Storio, as I believe it's pronounced, in happens in Florence, Italy. It's a ball game between two teams. Mm-hmm. Your The object is to get the ball from your side to the other side and score basically a, a goal. Right. Um, not unlike football or soccer. With one minor (laughs) difference. (laughs) There are no rules. (laughs) So what you end up seeing is a all-out brawl on the field between two teams. People being carried off in stretchers. It's intense to watch. It's super, super gnarly. There's literally no rules. it's, it's, It's pretty... I don't know, I'm trying to treat, like, what's the word I want to use here? It's, it's almost like a beautiful phenomenon to watch because we're talking about the most pure, like, merit, like, I always feel like the idea of the meritocracy gets diluted with the more, like, rules and protocols and this and that. Yeah, so when you talk about the meritocracy of sports, which is, like, what, what's a beautiful thing about sports, it's like, I don't care who your dad is, how you were raised, you know, uh, what advantages or disadvantages you had in life. Like, if you are the best at this thing, we're going to give you a chance. And there's so much money on the line. Like, that's it. That's it. you got to prove yourself on the, whatever, the basketball court, the soccer field, the football field, or whatever. Mm-hmm. This, but then you get into, you know, it turns into a TV show, which is, like, where I dip out of sports. I'm like, I just can't, I can't handle the production, and I can't handle the last two minutes of an NBA game last for 45 minutes it's, and with all the commercials and the timeouts. And you have something like this. Well, also, there's, just to interrupt you briefly, there's also, like, so many rules in basketball. 
Yeah. Like you can't kick the ball and you have to dribble the ball and you, and right. you know, in soccer, you can't handle the ball with your hands and there's fouls and there's, yes. In this, there is none of that. It's so perfect. It's, it is, it's pure. It, it's a pure <laughs> representation of the meritocracy of sports, which I think is awesome. They're like, all right, we got it. We, there's you guys over here and you guys over there. You get the ball. However the fuck you can figure it out to get it over there. Like, yep. you guys are the winner. And yeah, just, it's not even about for, for you and me. I know how, I know how you think about this. It's not about the, the pure, raw, dangerous, scary violence yeah. of it. That's not the appeal. And if you listen to the interviews with these guys, and you should, if, you're, if you're listening and not watching, go to YouTube and check out this sport. The way that these men talk about this sport, they feel the same way. They are yeah. passionate about it in a way that is not related to blood and guts and broken limbs and things. No, it's about honor and meritocracy. Yeah. And it's, it's exactly those it's, things that you it, were. It's the epitome of like, hey, may the best man win. I don't care where you're from or what you're made of or what you think you're made of. Like, we're going to find out. Go for it. Yeah. So if war was that, then, yeah, I'm all for it. But it turns out it's not. And since ever since, you know, basically World War I, war has been total war where the entire civilization has to participate either by actually fighting and dying or getting bombed um, or with their, their taxes and their, their product productivity and their psyches and everything. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's why war is tragic. I think there's a, just a palpable contradiction of psychology in that to, I'm using a stereotype at this point, but I'm thinking kind of anecdotally of the people that I know that supposedly stand with Ukraine. When we say like, you stand with Ukraine, like you're, you're in for war at this point, they would be having an abhorrent reaction to watching this Italian Right. Slugfest. Right. Like, no, I, I can't watch. It's just barbaric. I can't watch that. He's like, but I'm in for a war in Ukraine. Right. Explain those two, two things to yeah, me. If you really, yeah, exactly. You cannot justify that. Um, Whereas we are against war, but we love stuff like this. What's the difference, though? It's what we were just alluding to earlier. Right. We have two consenting, consenting parties that are they're playing a game and they're going at it. And, you know, may, may the best man win. Yeah. And this is one we talked about before is that you, you know, the difference is fine. If you have a bunch of volunteer armies that want to go hash it out, go for it. Yeah. So now we're, you know, if we're talking about the potential for a world war, world war, which we are at this point, because now Russia is teaming up with China, supposedly. I mean, that's how things are looking. That's like we could, and I know that the things you say sound hyperbolic, wait fucking two, three months mm-hmm. or six weeks. And when they start floating around the idea of a draft, like, yeah. So if you're that far, if, if you are that in on, a, like, a war in Ukraine, you, are you ready to ship your kid over there? Like, how, yeah. how, how? I mean, just in case, uh, uh, are you against the draft? Yeah. I mean, just say it out loud now. Tell someone. Because you might think that we're being hyperbolic, but when that time comes, have you said anything about it up to that point? Or are you just going to have to make that decision then? Yeah. So... Not to put too fine a point on why war is bad, but um, I just I came across this old clip of Joy uh, Behar on The View talking about <laughs> war, and I thought she really, she <laughs> sums it up better than should, anyone. should be good. I know this will make me happy. We like to celebrate being on the right side of World War II and winning. But we don't think about all the little decisions that had to be made up until that point of the U.S. getting in and trying to thwart wrongdoing. We're standing by, uh, by Ukraine because we want to deter this from getting worse. We want to well, see peace rather than Russia taking over Ukraine and, who knows, move on to Poland well, or Well, we saw else. in World War II that there were many isolationists in this country, and not until uh, Pearl Harbor was bombed did we get into the war. So we're yeah. seeing a similar thing mm-hmm. happening yeah. here. Uh, for these toddlers in, in politics, to Trump and DeSantis <laughs> to think that Putin is going to stop with Ukraine mm-hmm. is extremely naive and stupid. My mother used to say, you give them the finger, they take the whole hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My yeah. mother knew more about politics than they did. Yeah. Yeah. It comes right down to it. Mm-hmm. He's not going to go into Poland, which is a NATO country, then we have to get involved. Yeah. Yeah. This is the kind of thing that spreads yeah. and gets worse and worse. We didn't learn from Hitler. I mean, how many examples do we have to have? I mean, to say I never... Well, if... Uh, if- if they are worried about Russia going to Poland, they should thank Zelensky since he sent a missile into Poland <laughs> a couple months back. Exactly. Uh, they, um, that poor farmer probably had it coming. 
Hold on. This was actually the clip I meant to play. Sorry about that. This is why she's against war. Well, I'm scared of what's going to happen in, in Western Europe, too. Yeah. Well, you know, you just you plan a trip. You want to go there. I want to go to Italy for four <laughs> years. I haven't been able to make it because of of uh, the pandemic. And now this. You know, oh, the like, humanity! What's going to happen there, yeah. Yeah. too? Yeah. I mean, and, yeah. and, you know, this guy... So he's sad. He's a singular sensation in a certain way. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't... So sad. <laughs> Uh, but sorry, you I to cancel your vacation plans. I'm glad I played the wrong clip there because uh, they always I want to they always bring up this. If we don't stop him now, then he's gonna go into Poland and then he's gonna take over all of Europe and then it's like, okay, I'm sure if he could if he had a magic wand and he was and he is the world was the world's greatest dictator and maybe he is and maybe he thinks he is that he would do that. But that's just not feasible. Yeah. No one has ever been able to take over all of Europe. And she brings up Hitler. Mm -hmm. And it's like, have we not learned? She says, have we not learned anything from Hitler? It's like, exactly. I think Putin learned something from Hitler. Do you know how many times Russia has been invaded in the last 500 years? Quite a few times. Like five times. So they were invaded by the Poles. They were invaded by the Swedes. They were invaded by the French under Napoleon. They were invaded by the Germans in World War I. They were invaded by the Germans in World War II. <laughs> right? It is a, their geography is uh, such that it's a wide open, flat plain that is very easy mm. to invade once you get past the natural barriers in Eastern Europe. Where do those natural barriers happen to lie? Ukraine... Poland, around the Black Sea, these areas that they're really, really concerned about right now. Right. Putin did learn a lesson from Hitler. He learned that if I see armies amassing on my borders, I should throw up a few red flags. I mean, he has a responsibility to Russia. I mean, like it or not, he is in charge of Russia, and it's his job as he sees it, and probably a lot of the people that are Russian see it, to defend Russia from invasions. Mm -hmm. And he sees what's happening as the, the precursor to an invasion. So, I mean, and when you go back and look at everything that he said about why he's doing what he's doing, it's all about keeping NATO and the West from invading... Out of Russia. Russia. Right. Right? I mean, we really should not be surprised that this is happening. And, I mean, should he invade another country? I mean... No, that's not ideal, right? We don't really want that. What we'd rather have is everyone getting along and being on the same team and participating in economic free trade and getting everyone getting rich and everyone being healthy. And I mean, that's, that's ideal. In fact, that's probably a much better plan if you could try to make that happen to all those countries rather than try to devastate them mm -hmm. and, and implement regime change, making them all rich. Same way as making poor people rich in America would be the ultimate solution to all of our problems. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyways, getting a little off track there. But, yeah, that is why this war is happening. Whether it's right, whether it's wrong, I, I don't really have a strong opinion on that. In fact, I don't really care who is in charge of Ukraine or the eastern part of Ukraine, whether it's Putin or... Someone in Kiev. It doesn't really matter. The concern, I think, for most of the West is that these people are going to start being less dependent on the West. So we need to, to stomp them down, destroy their economy, keep them dependent on our dollar, our oil, our system that we have set up, which is crumbling right, right now. Yes. And, you know, I don't know. That's, maybe that's not even a bad thing, really. Um. Because just kind of rip the band-aid off. I've been thinking about this too a lot lately. The United States has been spoiled for the last century in having the world's reserve currency. Mm -hmm. When we print money, it doesn't really affect us as badly as it would for like when Zimbabwe prints money, their currency goes in the toilet and they're they're done. Mexico, same thing. Their currency is always just Venezuela. Yeah, exactly. But when we do it, since everyone has to use our currency, 
everyone kind of feels it at the same time. Are you referring to the net, the, the, the petrodollar? Correct. Right. And just bringing up the listener up to speed here. Yes, thank you. Because we know this shit cold. Oh yeah, we're we're smart. <laughs> I think that the situation that we've been in for the last hundred years has been really bad for Americans. It has propped up America. It has given us a you know the pole position in the world. Mm-hmm. But when you think about it, it's kind of made us that rich kid that I was talking about earlier on. Right. Who never has to face any adversity, never has to struggle. We don't have to have a strong manufacturing base, which is what made us a world superpower in the first place. It's a good thing because we don't. Well, there's a reason we don't. We don't make anything. We don't do anything. We're that rich kid who just gets everything handed to them. We're, we've been given this... Hashtag like, NAFTA. Halt this, uh, this, this high status that we don't actually deserve anymore Mm -hmm. and you know good times make for weak men and that's the the phase that we're in right now i think that we would benefit spiritually from not having this exalted position in the world and if things were to change around where um you know we actually had to compete on a world stage i have no doubt we'd, we'd be able to step up to the challenge but we don't have to. We have never had to. And I think that that's kind of one of the main driving forces that's in, it's inspiring us to fuck with these people over in Russia and Ukraine. I mean, who gives a shit? Let them deal. Yeah. I, it's, you know, it's, not our, it's none of our business what's going on over Could, there. Couldn't agree more. And, yeah, to hit a point that we already hit when people say, well, it's wrong what he's doing. There's shit like this going on all over the world all the time. Like, do you find it a little disturbing, giving the historical context of like which battles that we pick and choose? Like, no, we're going to do this. We're going to bring democracy here. We're going to, yeah. you know, this guy's an evil dictator. There's evil dictators all over the world. All There's over. countries all over the world taking and over the country. Half of them are there because we put them there. Yes, exactly. So it's at the at the end of the day, it's are, are, do you want to go to war or not? Do you want to send our children over there? To fucking die in another country, and not only that, like try to just try to wrap your head around this bombing. I, I know it's hard to understand because it's someone in a, another country, and or it might even be easier. You know, we're in the Middle East. It's a bunch of brown kids. Like, so who gives a shit? Like, I can't. I can't even like identify with that. Like, you're killing a bunch of children and women and families, like innocent people. Like, imagine that happening in your hometown. What would you do? Mm-hmm. Do you think you'd take up arms? Maybe uh, learn how to fly a plane into a building, possibly? <laughs> Ooh, good idea. Okay, so let's just go down the list. What war have we fought that's ended up better than when we started the war? The Falklands. Besides the Falklands, that wasn't us. <laughs> no. Okay, 21st century. <clears throat> Iraq, 206,000 dead Yep. from 03 to 19, to 2019. Afghanistan, 243,000 dead, 20-year-long war. Libya, started with Muammar Gaddafi, bad guy by all accounts, ended open-air slave markets happening just on the street there. You can actually watch those on YouTube. It's so disturbing. Have you watched that? I've seen that. Yeah, open-air slave markets. No. Yeah. What is it like? Uh, hey Mike, pull that up. It looks like something you don't want to watch uh, right before you go to bed. Cool. You just lay there with your eyes open, like, man, this world is fucked up, dude. I'm glad I didn't stumble across that in the last few nights. The missus has yes. not been home, and I've been just kind of going down YouTube like whatever rabbit holes. Yeah. I stumbled across that. I was watching medieval torture uh, shit last night. No, no, no. It is no. You go home, put on the spins, and just <laughs> chill, dude. <laughs> Take it easy. <laughs> Syria, 580,000 dead. Somalia, 350,000. Wait, you're saying Assad gassed 580,000 of his own people? Yeah, yeah, he crossed that red line. Wow. Yeah, I know. Can you believe that monster? Thanks, Obama. Somalia, uh, anywhere from 350,000 to a million people dead, not from war directly, but famine caused by war, and a totally collapsed state. Which, ironically, they say people that are living in Somalia now are better off than they were under the warlords that were. So, I mean, maybe that's a victory. But 
<laughs> if, if that's your benchmark, like all we need to do is just bomb every country into the Stone Age, and then they'll be better off than they were under a dictator. Uh, Yemen. You're welcome. Oh, dear. I was just going to say, like, I'm afraid to hear about Yemen. Um, 150,000 to 227,000 dead from famine. The Yemen one is one of the most disturbing things that we've ever done because I almost find it a little more merciful when we go into a place like Afghanistan or Iraq and we just bomb and, the shit out of At least they're fighting back. Yeah, kill a bunch of people yeah. and like, all right, like at least they, you know, they got a fighting chance. We, when we technically, we didn't go into Yemen, we are in Yemen, but what we did is provide the infrastructure for the Saudis to go into Yemen and create a blockade around the country and so they can't get medicine, food, water, everything they need. And it's basically been a slow rollout of starvation, famine, and disease. Speaking, like, of, it's one speaking of, the, of medieval, it's, it's a siege. Yeah, it's just one of the most horrific, barbaric things that you could ever do to people. And we're talking about just children dying by the thousands, women dying by the thousands. And we're pro- providing the infrastructure for the Saudis. Does that model sound familiar at all to you? We're providing the infrastructure for, the U- for Ukraine. Yeah, it's like no, we're not actually in there. Yeah, you are pretty much right. Although I think that we are actually are in Yemen. I think we actually are in Ukraine too. Yeah, try that defense. If you you pay someone to kill someone else, you're going to jail for that. So yeah, yeah, it's not much of a defense. Um, I mean, I was trying to give her freedom. Okay, going into the 20th century, Kosovo, airstrikes for humanity. Right here we are. I heard someone say something about Kosovo recently that r- rang really true. This was one of the first wars after the Cold War, where we have this idea, and this is how lefties end up being warmongers. I mm-hmm. think so. Get a load of this. We have this idea where it's uh, it's we know that war is wrong in spirit. We know that when we see inhumanity, we want to stop it. Right, inhumane treatment of people. And so what we do is we get militant about inhumane treatment right. of people. And then next thing you know, we're fighting a war to stop this inhumanity. Yes. And how do we do that? We do it with airstrikes, which <laughs> is not effective. That's how you kill innocent people. And so you have these lefty crusaders wanting to end the atrocities in Kosovo, and they end up just adding you know, more and more death and destruction to what's going on there, which we don't know because of the way that the media spins things. What was actually going on in Kosovo? It sounds like both sides were being totally brutal to each other. We just picked a side and bombed the shit out of them. I, I, always, take, I always take this lane when I talk to people about this and say, like, uh, no, I'm against this thing. I'm saying, well, no, we have to... We have to go over there because this guy is causing all this death and destruction. And you go, okay, point one, this is happening all over the world. Why all of a sudden are we all in on this one thing, on this one country, this tiny place called Ukraine, for example? And you can talk about, like, Kosovo and, I mean, every war that we've, you know, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Libya, Yemen, every, every war that we've talked about on this podcast. And you say, why, okay, so, okay, put that aside. Okay, you're not buying that. So how do you know that this is a just war, that we should be doing it? It's like, well, that's, what I'm, that's the information I'm getting from where? I'm getting on like CNN and MSNBC and all, all corporate media is on board. They're telling me like this is a just war. And even now, like the, the clips that you played, it's just, it's so disturbing. Like you guys are using the exact same speech that we used in Iraq. I'm like, but how did Iraq turn out? Like, ah, uh, total debacle, terrible. Mm-hmm. Like, what about, like, Libya? Yeah, terrible. What about Yemen? Like, I've never heard of Yemen. Oh, well, here's, what ha- what, here's what's happening in Yemen. What about Syria? Well, didn't he gas his own people? No, he didn't gas his own people. Like, you... Yeah, what about Vietnam? Oh, that turned out well. Yeah. <laughs> what about Korea? That was a draw. Okay. I mean, go back even... For, you know, the worst of them all, and what kind of started a lot of the problems that we see in the world now, World War One, where which eventually led to World War Two. And I really think it's the only way to think of World War Two is just an extension of World War One. Right. It never would have happened without the Treaty of Versailles and the Oh, I was gonna say the sinking of the Lusitania. This is true. Yeah. And we go in and we chop up all the, the Middle East and we we 
we, we carve up states. Rebuild it in our image. We give a chunk of land to uh, Israel and, you know, just all this stuff that causes all this conflict. It all can be traced back to us intervening right. in the world, which yes. it just it just makes no it, – it, it makes – I mean, it makes sense why they did it, but it ends up not – providing us with the outcome that we thought it was supposed to provide. We stopped evil. It's like, did you? you what evil? The Germans wanted this piece of land, and the French wanted that piece of land, and that's, that was worth the whole world being turned on its head over? Right. And dropping nuclear bombs on Japan yeah. for that? Killing so many people? And that's when Total War actually came into to vogue in World War I. When now, no, people are being drafted, everyone's fighting, Everyone's going to suffer. We're going to bomb the shit out of civilians in their cities just to get the generals to stop. And the generals don't give a shit. So yeah. it just ends up being just pure death and destruction everywhere. Um, here's Glenn Greenwald shedding some light on what's going on. This is pretty good, I thought. Administration has shut down any attempt to reach a brokered ceasefire. Why do you think that is? From the very beginning, it's been clear that the U.S. wants this war to continue and wants it to go on for as long as possible because they have no interest in protecting Ukraine. They instead want to sacrifice Ukraine, have Ukraine destroyed in order to advance what they think is the United States' political interest, geopolitical interest of weakening Russia. And the way to do that is to use Ukraine as a pawn kill as many Ukrainians as possible, destroy their whole country if they have to, in order to prolong the war as long as possible. And the response of the U.S. government and its defenders has been, we don't have any position about when the war ends. That's completely up to the Ukrainians. When they want to end the war, they can end the war. If they don't, we'll support them. And the lie just got revealed. If you listen to what John Kirby said, they asked him, are the Ukrainians willing to have a ceasefire? And he said, not only won't they, we won't allow it either essentially admitting finally what's long been obvious that the country funding the war providing the arms for the war which is the united states determines if and when the war ends and we obviously don't want that war to end how are people who are pushing for the sacrifice of more ukrainian and russian children for whatever it's worth how did they seize Fuck the moral high ground in this conversation they're monsters how are, are they allowed to lecture the rest of us about human rights so there's a propagandistic narrative from the beginning that the Ukrainians are feisty, courageous, and are fighting for their own country, and we ought to stand by their side. The reality is the complete opposite. The Ukrainians do not want this war to continue. You, Zelensky is not using a voluntary army. He's using a conscript army. He is drafting these people who are unwilling to fight and has repeatedly in the last four months on three occasions increased the punishments for desertion or for people who are otherwise uh, rebelling against this war because the Ukrainians know that they're being used as cannon fodder for the interest of other people around the world. So it's a conscript army. They're forcing these Ukrainians to go and die in huge numbers for things that are not in their interest. What's in their interest is to negotiate with the Russians over an agreement that will allow Ukraine to, Ukraine, Ukraine to keep the parts of their country that want to be ruled by Kiev, and it's the United States and Great Britain that are blocking it purely for our own interests. Yeah, and then they're lecturing you. <laughs> right. Uh, Glenn Greenwald, I appreciate it. Thank you. That's the uh, far right-wing fringe Glenn Greenwald. He's kind of seemed kind of pissed off in that. Yeah. Didn't he? You could tell because his gayness comes out like heavier when he's <laughs> he's not keeping it together. He was getting he's, pissed off. He was doing sassy hands. He was there. getting sassy. <laughs> yeah. I love that guy. So actually, uh, quick little side street. When people ask me, we always talk about just mainstream corporate media is toxic. It's just nonsense. They have a narrative that they're fed and. Well, where do you get your information? I can't stress enough. Look at independent journalist Glenn Greenwald would be one of those guys. Yeah. If you go to their sub stacks, they, they are forming their own kind of independent media platforms and pods where, you know, they get tons of content out. These are some of the brightest, like most uh, honest, unbiased, like journalists in the world. When Glenn Greenwald was uh, by all means like a very like lefty guy who left the corporate uh, mainstream media establishment going like, I, you guys aren't doing journalism anymore. You're doing narratives. You're doing... You know, you, you, you have a point of view that you're trying to you push on everyone else. So Glenn Greenwald, perfect example. What was he? Brilliant what, guy. What put him on the map? Was it the uh, Julian Assange? 
Yeah. WikiLeaks he, stuff? Yeah, I think that. And then he moved. Or think, Snowden. I believe. No, I think it's Snowden, actually, because I believe he moved to Brazil, mm-hmm. where he lives with his husband, I guess. And he was doing, he, I can't remember the, where he, the, the organization that he left, but he started doing independent reporting from there. I think he left and went to Brazil going, like, I just, I'm, I, I got to go to, like, somewhere, like, kind of more neutral. Uh, I can't, I'm not, I don't even feel safe, like, getting out my own information anymore. And he's been cranking out tons of amazing journalists. Yeah, journalism he's, since then. He's one of the most uh, impressive. Yeah, he's up there with uh, Laura Logan for as far as like foreign war cor- correspondence. Laura Logan, where's the war? I'm going to that country, and she stays there and just reports, reports, reports. She left the New York Times. She goes, I just, I used to work for these people. Like I read entire articles, and there's not a single like legitimate fact in these articles. <clears throat> I wanted to. Uh... Say something to the listeners. Yes. We're putting a book together, and we need images. We're not, because we want to, basically, it's going to be a a coffee table book of all of the most ridiculous shit that we've seen since the start of COVID. Oh, nice. And so I want to ask people out there, if you have photos of things that you found to be just Completely uh, is hypocritical the word? Uh, silly. Yes. Uh, representative of the clown world, for example, uh, people alone in their car yep. with masks on. Which I know there's sometimes where I just, I mean, I've seen enough people alone in their car with a mask on that it doesn't shock me anymore. But there's sometimes where I just have to pull my phone out, take a picture, and send it. To, to Matt and So to l- let me ask you this. What's worse? Because I saw both uh, Sunday is I saw someone with a mask alone in their car. And I just kind of look at them. I'm, I'm, I'm just curious, intellectually curious, right? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even like upset or yeah. anything. I'm just like, I wonder, I wonder what they're, I just like want to ask them the questions. I almost want to like, mm-hmm. can I spend the day with you? I just want to see like what, how, like how you go about your life. What's worse, that or going into the grocery store and seeing the woman with the mask under her chin? Whole to- like I watched her walk in, mask on her chin, walked around, saw her check out. I was in line with her and still had the mask on her chin. <laughs> I just I said to the cashier, well, the mask on the chin's a, it's kind of a weird move, right? The cashier's world. She goes, I don't, yeah. Was the cashier wearing a mask? No. No, she's pretty, I uh, found her to be fairly based. Because the one that I just interacted with at the market uh, had no mask on until I showed up, and then she put the mask on. <laughs> like, is it me? Do I look sick? It's just you. Because I was hacking up a lung in the <laughs> in the deli aisle. Um. So, yeah, if anyone listening has uh, pictures Please send them to us. We want to, and we'll definitely credit you in the book. You're not getting paid, but we will credit you in the book. We want to do kind of a fun coffee table book about all the things that have blown our minds since this whole thing started back in spring break of 2020. Yeah. Just had the three-year anniversary. Mm Mm-hmm. Worst spring break of our lives. Worst two weeks to flatten the curve of our lives. And they can send these to you at, and we are getting paid for this, they can send these to you at... Liberty Tree, uh, Kelly at LibertyTreeLifestyle.com. Nice. Um, Or tag us on Instagram. Well, we're at it. Uh, Rate and review the podcast. Please give us a five-star review. And if you write something on the Apple podcast, actually on uh, Podcast Addict also, we'll read it. Subscribe on Patreon if you guys want to support the show. That's the best way to do it. Keep us in beer. Maybe uh, help us subscribe to The Atlantic, um, (laughs) which apparently cost us $400 a year. Um, And check out the video. If you're only listening on audio, check us out on YouTube. Watch the videos. And more than anything else, just tell a friend. Tell a friend. Keep the discussion going. Question everything always. Let's keep this party going. Love you guys.